Today's show is brought to you by Bogart Extractors, an industry leader in hydrocarbon extraction. Over the last decade, Bogart has implemented many new technologies, which have helped to revolutionize the way hydrocarbon extractions are performed. Each unit is made with sanitary stainless steel and is built and tested right here in the USA. Their certified system for use in licensed facility meet all NFPA and ASME standards and undergo peer-reviewed by third-party engineers to ensure facilities and its employees can operate safely. Beyond simply making a functional extractor, Bogart has many additional features which make extraction faster and more cost-effective compared to other manufacturers. These features include hydrocarbon failing films to supercharge evaporation rates, heavy-duty explosion-proof pumps for flammable liquids and vapors, industrial chillers capable of maintaining large tanks of solvent at temperatures below 60 Celsius. They also offer extensive tech support and consultation services. So whether you need to set up an extraction lab from scratch or you just need some replacement gaskets, Give them a call at 855-553-3887 or check out their website at www.bogart.com. All right, this is Mark Ristelli. I'm here with James Wade, also known, who goes by Jim. We're here to just shoot the shit and dive into one of our deep dive conversations. We just talked to each other um, this last Tuesday on our May hemp show, and we only had 15 minutes. We didn't have enough time because there's a lot to talk about. And I want to dive into not only the background as far as how you got into the space and get a bit more into the passion, but let's start with what we were just talking about right before we started the recording. And it's Amazon and ultimately... Um, as I just mentioned, Amazon is for some CBD businesses is seen as like the great or the golden goose. They want to get on there because they have so many businesses. However, when you talk about CBD products or products with cannabinoids in them, Amazon is not friendly to that. And I've seen workarounds where yeah. they they put hemp seed oil, but they really mean CBD. Or if they're actually talking about hemp seed oil and it really is hemp seed oil. Hemp seed oil has a, a tiny fraction of cannabinoids in it, of CBD or, or whatnot. It's not really the same product. So let's dive into Amazon and your experience there. Well, here's the product we sold. We sold 10,000 CBD vapor pens. Okay. It's an 800 milligram CBD pin, rechargeable, disposable. We were one of the only Amazon merchants selling legitimate quality CBD products. And the reviews showed that. The feedback showed that the customers loved the products. When you look at Amazon, it is the holy grail of retail. That's right. how to sell products. If you're a small business, that's the, that's the way. And, and just real quick, is, real quick for everybody listening, I didn't mention it, um, but, but Jim's business is, is CBD, the remedy, and they do, they have a host of products, which I'm sure we'll get into in a second, but sorry, let's continue with Amazon. Amazon is the holy grail. They have a million and a half sellers. We jumped up to number 6,000 on that million and a half top 10 list oh, because wow. we were doing a lot. We were 1,000 to 1,500 units a month. And the reviews show the product works. The funny thing about Amazon is we couldn't sell a CBD vapor pen. We had to sell a hemp oil vitamin stick. <laughs> we changed the names a lot. Hemp, hemp oil vitamin stick. 
All right. I, my, my first, so, so I know about the changing of the, uh, of the, the jargon yeah. And, yeah. and ultimately the, the context of the verbiage. But when you, when I think of a hemp oil vitamin stick, I do not think of a vaporizer. <laughs> well, customers go to Amazon and they type in CBD or hemp oil. And if you're paying for ads, your product's going to come up. So we did pay for ads. If you don't pay for ads, you're not going to sell a ton of products on Amazon. You're just not. You can sell thousands of products every month if you pay for the ads. Otherwise, you're going to sell a few hundred products a month. And Amazon has an algorithm and a script that they run to check every word you write. They have humans that look at your picture. And it's not a joke. It's You can get away with it for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years like we did. But you're probably going to get caught. Right. 99% of what's, Amazon, what's on Amazon is garbage. That's... You can see it if you just look at it. It's it's not CBD. Right. My my guess, my guess, well, so everything has like scripting bots, and especially when you're on Amazon's platform, they're definitely reading it's everything you're writing. Script. Amazon wrote a program called the JIT script that finds out if you're legit. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. And my my guess also is that a lot of these companies now they're doing pixel mapping. So some sort of um, AI learning on the picture to determine what the pictures are, which are on all these major platforms. So my guess is that between the script of what you write and the pictures of what you're putting on there, Amazon's probably giving it some sort of ranking as far as um, like, does it need review or not? Because they're definitely not putting eyeballs, human eyeballs on every picture. At some point, your product will be reviewed, especially if it's starting to sell more and more. Because my guess is, with the writings, the pictures, and then depending on the engagement, you know, how many orders you're getting, stuff like that, that's probably ranking it up. If something is selling 10,000 units a month and maybe it's a, a six out of 10 on their review ranking, whatever that may be, they're probably going to be more likely to check it because they're like, hey, they're, they're selling 10,000 of these a month. We, I want to know what these are. You know, but if you're selling zero and you're at a 10 or six out of 10 review ranking, they don't care because nobody's buying it. That's just you my know, guess. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's their bat and their ball, and they play the game really well. Yeah, but well, somehow they have a lot of bogus hemp oil products on there, selling like crazy. You can see somebody has five hundred reviews. That means they sold five thousand products because ten percent of Americans send a review. So you can see that the garbage is selling on Amazon, right? And they're doing it by ultimately doing things like hemp seed vitamin stick, right? Because they can't say CBD oil, you know, they can't put anything like that. So they basically have to call it hemp seed and then something else, right? They As soon as yeah. you were the, use the word hemp, there is a red flag that goes off because you're now categorized as a hemp guy. Right, that that makes total sense. And then your entire, uh, my guess is your, your entire third-party vendor account is at risk. We submitted 237 appeals. They take the products down and we appeal to get them back up. You said, sorry, I missed, times. I missed that, Jim. You said you've had 237 product appeals with Amazon? That means we submitted emails to them 237 times. They take the products down and we put them back up. But we're done with it now, obviously. So you've been you've been officially shut down. On Amazon. Yeah, for about six or seven months now, officially never to be sell, selling on Amazon again. Right. And you you got up there pretty high as a ranker ranking system. So my guess is that 
Amazon was contributing a pretty significant amount of business to you, then they just, uh, they pulled the rug out from under you. Yeah, we were getting up to $1,500, $1,800 a day in sales. Okay. And nice. only selling a $25 product. That's a lot of business. Wow. And then um, are, I, I'm, I haven't experienced the Amazon third-party selling system. Are you, uh, my guess is you're getting a lot of repeat orders from that. So some kind of consistent returns. Yeah, about 25 to 30% were repeat orders. Very cool. I, I had one woman in Virginia sending her military son vapor pens. And he was in he was in war and getting our vapor pens. Yeah, I mean, well, that that brings up an entire another topic, which I'm not sure if we want to dive into that one because that is a very deep topic when we start talking about uh, cannabinoids and the military and veterans and PTSD and all of those types of things. I mean, I've got a bunch of anecdotal stories of of friends myself, including. Um, I did connect with uh, Dr. Sue Sicily in Arizona. This is about two or three years ago when she was starting her veteran study where she was trying to study, um, she was studying the PTSD efficacy with veterans and cannabis. And then I remember there was uh, some controversy that kind of got posted up in a few articles because she had to get her marijuana from the government and ultimately one of the those those government growing or licensed facilities. And I think it was the university of uh, Mississippi. I think it was that, that grows it or something over there. And she received just the worst quality weed. Just lo- I think it, it even had, um, I, I remember it even had mold all over it. Yeah. Crazy, but sorry, that's a, that's a tangent and a, and a topic that we could dive down, but let's, before we get there, let's stay on the Amazon um, topic real quick here. Now is with your experience, you've obviously done this quite a bit. Um, you mentioned that if you're not buying ads on Amazon, you're ultimately not being seen. It's really the only way to sell. So my understanding is that, that means Amazon is double dipping when it comes to the sales, because not only are they getting a percentage of each one of your sales that you make, but then you also have to pay them for ads to get visibility, to have the opportunity to sell your product. Oh, it's anywhere from 50 cents to a dollar a click. Okay. And then, and then, if you're paying a dollar a click and making twenty dollars per sale after their fifteen percent commission, it all works out. Pay for the ads and do a lot of business, just like on Google, Facebook. Also, you got to figure out how to write a generic ad that doesn't say CBD in it. Right, and so ultimately, you're you start doing a pretty significant amount of volume, but you're really cutting your margins significantly as well. So. I, I'll keep buying ads because we were converting at 38%, which is almost double of what a typical Amazon account converts their ad money at. Man, well, now, which I guess my takeaway here is two things. One, there's a lot to be gained if you can game the system on on Amazon. Number two, there is a need. There's a hole in the market because if you start doing well at some point, you will be removed as a vendor. And then now you go from, you know, you, you mentioned you, so you were roughly at like 45,000 a month, 30, 45,000 a month if you're selling yes. $1,500 a day. So yeah. you go from that to zero. I mean, that's rough. Well, Amazon has another way of fucking you. They, if you start selling a lot of products, they'll go to China and buy the product and undercut you. Right. With the Amazon essentials. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that one, 
I totally understand that one. If it is a if it is a product that would fall within their essentials, my guess is that CBD products won't fall within essentials often until they and they're going to screw you. But until they do their little calculations and find out, hey, if we actually offered a CBD vitamin vape stick, whatever, and we offered that as an essential product from straight from China, we could now make an extra billion dollars a year. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. But once they do their calculations and figure that out, they're all of a sudden going to open the floodgates for, for CBD. It's just a matter of time. Did you know they're selling CBD in England on Amazon right now? Are they really? Yeah, I've been for months. Wow. It's a test wow. program. So that's their pilot program um, out there just to, yeah. I mean, ultimately, this is the same. This is just, it's kind of the risk. They're just being risk adverse. They're weighting the, uh, the cost benefit of opening it up for CBD versus dealing with the fact that cannabinoids are still, um, at least THC, still schedule one, and the government is still has to move on that to deschedule. So once that's removed and, and all cannabinoids are kind of out of that gray area, then I'm sure that they'll be on that train as well. They're just going to turn it on. It's literally probably a button. Just click. <laughs> well, yeah. At that point, every beer and wine and um, soda pop distributor will be selling the product also. Mm, that makes total sense. I mean, and we'll be able to get a bank account. We'll be able to do a lot of things. Probably two right. years I mean, I, I've... I can't quote it exactly, but I'm pretty sure what it was up in Canada that marijuana sales surpass alcohol sales for a few months, or was it Colorado? I, I think it's Colorado. It was Colorado? I mean, it only makes sense if if it wasn't uh, if there wasn't prohibition so long and it wasn't criminalized the way it was. I mean, I feel as if that industry would just it would be crushing alcohol, wine, and spirits, and it's only a matter of time before throughout the entire U.S. that it that it actually takes over. Well, the beer and wine people in Canada are distributing marijuana right now. So they will be doing the same thing in America in a few years. Right. They're already knee deep in it. I've talked to the distributors in Crescent Crown, and they are moving products in Canada. They just, right. I they mean, wasn't it, wasn't, it, uh, wasn't it Constellation Brands, the wine and spirits company that took a big stake? And was it Canopy? Yeah. Was it Was it Canopy? Okay. Yeah, Canopy Growth Corporation took that yeah. big stake. Apparently, if, I mean, last I saw, which was something like last year, they took a giant loss, like a several billion dollar loss. And then I think there was a there was something going on with the partnership. I forget. I don't know. I got to I got to keep up on it more. There's just so much happening and so much change in the space that it's hard to keep up. We need to make an Amazon for weed people. We're getting there. We're getting there. Ultimately, that's what uh, that's what can trade and the hemp show is going to going to start to progress to. I mean, we, it's, uh, we're all B2B now. At some point, we will be kind of expanding to the B2C realm. And I'm not sure if we've talked about that, but I'll, I'll, share, that with, I'll share that with you once we hop off this call. Besides Amazon, what other platforms have you participated in um, that have seen some level of success, whether they've shut you down or not? Well, Facebook runs the same type of program where you have to use different words. Right. We've we've been removed from Facebook multiple times. I mean, yeah, so we. been I've had my I've had my Instagram accounts shut down a minimum of two times. I want to say three times. Not sure, but I've kind of just given up on that. Yeah, and I mean that's ultimately Facebook. And then we are we do have the Hemp Show live on Facebook account, but it's only a matter of time before 
they just turn it off. And ultimately what happens, there's no recourse. Just like Amazon None. probably didn't respond to you. With well, they those... will respond. You can communicate with Amazon. You can call them. Okay, so they're, so that's good. They'll actually yeah. Facebook, call my no name. Facebook, nothing. Like we, no. I've, I've appealed or sent this or that. They just highlight some code of conduct with, related to their terms of agreement saying yeah. you violated section blank of blank. And I read it and it's like, it has something to do with uh, like no tobacco sales, no illegal narcotic sale promotion, none of this. And I'm just like, well, that's not us. That's not what we're doing. We didn't even, with what we do with Hemp Show and with CanTrade, we're an ancillary software company that supports the industry and supports the businesses. We don't actually ever sell the product. We connect the businesses that sell the product and allow them and help them to facilitate the transactions. But we don't actually sell directly to any anybody those types of products. So we don't fall within that you know, categorization that they've banned us for multiple times. And but however, there's no recourse, right? You send them the send them the email, send them whatever, they never get back to you. They don't care. No, Brutal. they're making too much money. Right. And there's no reason for them to respond, which it just goes to show it's ultimately us, right? It's all of us that are giving them all that power. And the only way to take that power away is to stop using them or stop caring, stop going on to Facebook or Instagram. In many cases, it's a necessary evil to do business or want to grow your business. But if there were other platforms that you could focus that same attention on that are more friendly to the industry, then that's going to be better for your business as long as those platforms can reach a critical mass and start to take off and and really start to push business forward. What I've noticed is corporate America, they don't know if we have THC in our hemp products. So they're afraid of us because they think we might have THC in CBD products. Right. And the sad part about that is that it's like THC is just so demonized. I mean, yeah. I've had this conversation with a lot of people on, especially on the hemp show, deep dives, the, the whole arbitrary 0.03% THC that's just made up, not rooted in science whatsoever. I mean, if it's 0.04% THC or if it's, <coughs> point, if it's 1% THC, hell, 2% THC, it's going to take a hell of a lot of that product to even get somebody stoned or get them that psychoactive effect from THC. So everybody's just so afraid of it, but it's, it's relatively harmless. Yeah. And we don't have it in the products. That's what's amazing is we're not weed people, right? We're not getting anybody high, right? So well, we should the, be able to have a bank account. Yeah. I mean, it's the mystery. It's the mystery around cannabinoids for most people too, or for most of the industry. To be totally honest, it's all, when it comes to hemp, it's just, it's making it harder for growers. It's just starting to get overregulated in a lot of spaces, especially when you, you know, let's say your, your crop tests hot and it's over, I think I want to say it's 0.04 or five. You can actually have a chance to remediate it or something. I don't know. I forget the rules, but if it tests to a certain level and you just, you have to destroy it. I mean, what are you doing? You're going to destroy 10 acres of crop basically that you put your life savings into and that you've been harvesting for the past four or five months and you're just going to destroy it and call it a day. And most of those farms can't even get crop insurance. Well, hopefully you can make concrete, you can make clothes, you can make rope, you can start making something out of that product. Very true. However, the genetics for hemp fiber 
crop is very different than really if you're trying to grow for like hemp flower. I mean, oh, okay. yeah, it's not, it's, it's kind of like you're growing for one or the other. I mean, if you're growing oh. for an industrial hemp fiber, your cannabinoid percentages are going to be much lower. Your style of growing is going to be much lower. You're going to have um, a field of stocks as opposed to spaced out, spaced out plants. Oh. Yeah. So it's not, and I'm not the grow expert whatsoever, but right. it's a very different style. You can't necessarily switch from one to the other. Now, not being all that knowledgeable in that space, my guess is that there may be some way to salvage some of it. However, my understanding is that the if the crop tests hot over a certain point, then it has to be destroyed. So you yeah. I don't you don't even have a chance to use it for for fibrous material or anything else. I don't want to grow anything. Yeah. I dabbled. I, I thought about that for a while and I realized I was like, okay, I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the space. I don't have the knowledge of growing. I've grown in my garage and I've grown in some greenhouses, but never to the level of like commercial, just, just personal. <laughs> Today, if growers don't have a signed contract to sell their product, they shouldn't grow it. Well, that's a, I, I would say at least most of the farmers we talk to, they don't have that. I mean, there's ones that are more on the commercial industrial scale and they're bigger and they've, they've figured that out and they've got some long-term clients, but with the 2018 farm bill, farmers had open land and um, I don't know the numbers on these specifically, but they were talking, I was talking to a farmer in Colorado who was like doing the calculations on what he could grow on his land and the most viable crop that was going to give him the biggest return for potential uh, for his, for the space he had, was going to be hemp. So he just went with hemp. And a lot of farmers did that in 2018. They just loaded their farms up with hemp seed, not knowing much about the genetics or what the purpose of the end crop was going to be. Because if you're growing for fibrous material, you need to grow for that. If you're growing for smokable flour, you grow for that. If you're growing for extract, you grow for that. I mean, it's not, there's going to be some overlap, but it's not necessarily... It's not necessarily going to be like, all right, I can just switch between the three. I learned something today. That's cool. <laughs> hey, I, like I said, I'm not the expert. I talk to I talk to the experts, and I take away a little bit, and I try my best to retain some of it. But most most of the time, it's just there's too many things rolling around this head. Too many too many hits in football. <laughs> Let's talk about testing for a minute. Sure. When I got into this business five years ago, I had to believe the COA. But then I got some gummy bears and some dog treats from a vendor that it said 15 ml, but really 15 mg, but they were giving me 10 mg products. We decided to make a change in our business four years ago. Everything we get in has to have two COAs. When the product finally gets ready to go to retail, we test it again so that we know exactly what's in it. Twice third-party testing is the only way to know what your product has and to reassure your retailer what you're delivering. There's too many people out there delivering fake CBD. Some have hot CBD, which is going to give you a THC amount too high. There has to be some kind of regulation that says the consumer gets to buy a product that's in the bottle on the label. We're in an industry right. where news shows show one third to 25% of all the products sold in America are garbage. That has to stop. That's why I come up with twice third party tested. We will know what's going to retail from our company. 
Right. And uh, let's talk about the twice third bite testing. So this is a topic that we encounter all the time um, due to, and you mentioned five years ago, you had to believe the COAs. I mean, five years ago was the wild west and it's still the wild west, but it's better. Five years ago, COAs were being shopped around. You would get the same COA from multiple different brokers or businesses. And you just, I mean, there were times when I got fed COAs that were my COAs. And it's like, wait, what is it? What? What? It, I mean, it happens. If if you've been in the industry long <laughs> enough, at some point you've received a bogus COA. Yeah. And there's there's uh the worst ones, the ones where you're like, wait a second, this looks really familiar. I mean, I've received this the same COA from multiple different suppliers, things along those lines. But that was that was like five plus years ago. So it's gotten better. Now you mentioned twice third-party testing. Now that means that a third party is testing your product twice. However, it's likely that before you even got that product infused into your, you know, into your goods, that it was tested in the field as yes. a plant. Then yes. it was tested as an extract, yes. right? Just to make sure. And then at some point that product went into your product and got infused and got tested and then tested That's again. That's the third test. Yeah. And then tested again for the, yeah. for the twice, right? So would that be, so basically it's likely there's a minimum of four tests that go into your product when it starts from the field all the way to the shelf. This is true, but four times third-party test, it doesn't roll off your tongue really good and consumers don't get it. Right. You can't say we're triple third-party tested because that's going to sound like you're just a moron trying to test your shit every day. Right. Yeah. Third-party test had rolled off our tongue well. Well, it also makes sense because you're twice yeah. third-party testing your final product, and it yes. would be it would be too hard to explain to a customer that no, if it's tested five times or four times, that it's not tested all at the end; it's tested along the way. Right. The last test before it goes to retail lets everybody know what's in your product. Right, and ultimately, I mean, there's been what there's been articles about. Uh, that investigative journalists have done related to like, hey, here's the top 10 products and here's what they say they have in them and here's what they actually have in them. It, Fox it News did, did it. Yeah, I mean, Fox it News showed that four out of 14 didn't have any CBD and two of them had too much THC. So half of the products bought by Fox News and um, it was Dr. Oz and Fox News two years ago. Right. Half uh, the that, products were a joke. That does not bode well for the industry whatsoever. Although I am a bit skeptical of it because I'm, I do wonder if there was uh, some uh, some bias on the product choices as far as if there were anything left out. I'm just curious there. Not not say I know know anything's happening with that, but um, I'd love to see some more studies related to the products that are hitting the shelves right now. Um, my worry, however, though, is if there is more laws and restrictions and things like that and regulations that it's just going to make it harder for smaller businesses to get their products on the shelf. It will make it harder, but it'll eliminate the bogus products. True. Now, CBD products, they're barred until there's clinical studies for making medical claims. So unless you've had clinical peer-reviewed studies on your product, you can't make medical claims. And if you have a merchant process or any businesses you work with, they require that you can't put 
any medical claims on your website or on your product packaging or anything like that. So it's, I'm not saying it's a, not saying it's a good thing that these products don't have the correct amount of CBD. I'm just saying it's not doing as much harm. It's more fraudulent is what it is. It's not necessarily, it's not necessarily harming people unless there's a, an ultimate medical need for that person to have a specific amount of CBD and that CBD is not in their product. It should be. Right. It should be. Now, my, I'm pretty sure there's a whole host of other products that would follow the same, have the same, a very similar issue. I mean, I know it's happened in the supplement industry quite a bit. God, yes. Yeah. I mean, there's been, as a, as a former athlete, you know, we, we deal with supplements and, and trying to enhance your recovery constantly, enhance your performance, um, obviously without performance enhancing drugs, but, but more supplements to help your body recover and help your body perform. But yeah, there's been a host of things that's whether bad ingredients going into specific products that would cost or cause an athlete to test positive for PTSD or not, sorry, was it uh performance enhancing drugs, PEDs? Yeah. Um, and then vice versa, a lot of supplement companies that have been nailed for claiming something's in their product and it not being there. So it's, it's happened in a lot of other spaces. Um, I wouldn't be, I would think it's probably more detrimental in most of those areas than it would be in a CBD product. Yeah. John Jones continues to get tested (laughs) and he says he buys legitimate products, but he fails tests all the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to dive into that one. Cause there's a, there's a bunch of other things that he's failed on as well too. And the UFC owns a CBD company. They, they branded their own CBD. Really? I, I don't yeah. know about that. It was about a year ago. What's it, what's it called? I can't remember. I'm going to have to but look into that. Dana got into CBD. I heard. Okay. Well, I mean, I have no idea what, what Dana White feels about CBD, but ultimately a lot of people saw the green or see the green. You know what I mean? And that's all it is. Yeah. I think that's what most people see. Well, and, and when you talk about things like celebrities and, you know, Dana White to extent is a celebrity, but he's also a businessman. They're following where the money goes ultimately, or trying to get to where the money goes before the money's gotten there, because that's how you make a lot of money. Uh, they did it very well, or he did it very well with the UFC. Um, what I see is you have celebrities, right? And then the celebrities all start these brands. And then they get those brands out there. But in a lot of cases, those celebrities have very little to do with the actual brand. They've just created a licensing agreement with a, an established company to be able to use their name and likeness on a product. Yeah. They don't, yeah. they're not in there deep. Right. They're not. Yeah. They're not in there as deep as people think. So Martha um, Stewart and Snoop Dogg are not working hard on their CBD company. You're I, I mean, I would say possibly, I mean, I wouldn't discount Snoop Dogg that uh, he's, he's been in the game for a long time. So my guess is he's probably got some hand in it. If not, if not one of his very close friends, I mean, I heard he had a, I heard he paid a, a blunt roller. He has a blunt roller that, that travels with him everywhere. I don't know yeah. if that's a true or a rumor, but he, he pays an absorbative amount to, to have someone just basically manage his weed and always have fresh blunts rolled. Stupid. I mean, I mean, maybe if you smoke a lot of blunts, it, it, it could be well worth it. Save that time. If that's your entourage, that's your entourage. Right. But I mean, there's, what is it? I, th- I want to say it's uh, what more, is it Maury Povich? No, who's, yeah. um, 
Is he one? Yeah, right? Maury went from one of those daytime crazy reality type shows. Uh, he, but there's, he's in weed now? I, I'm not sure if that's the right one. Let me, let me see if I can look it up on my computer here. But there's a, there's a lot of celebrities like that that I'm just like, okay, you guys really aren't. Well, I saw on the news last year that John Boehner, he retired as our speaker of a house a couple of years ago. And Sorry. he's now on a board of a weed company. Right. That one's crazy. He doesn't Sorry, smoke more, weed. Not, not more Bovich at all. I'm completely, I'm completely wrong. Um, forgot the name of which one it is. Let me, I'll find it. But um, yeah, that was really interesting. And I I heard something that he, there was someone that did an analysis on some of the, on some of the laws that he had voted on and they were not weed friendly <laughs> yet. Now he's on a publicly traded board well he was a republican they don't like weed mm, right but aren't they supposed to like money everybody so, likes money well i was gonna say it's supposed to like money and free capitalism and wouldn't the essence of opening up the weed industry and and with a little bit less regulation and obviously not having it um schedule one you know criminalized and uh, wouldn't that generate a lot of money well, if we keep giving the money to the kids in the schools, I think we have a good chance of making a nationwide law. You've yeah. got to give the money to somebody and don't be greedy. Give it to the kids. Give it to the schools. The tax for marijuana can do a lot of good in this country. Right, right. Oh, definitely. And it is something to be said that, okay, so if it makes you money, you know, and it has the potential to make money, it definitely opens some uh, it, it makes people look at it from a different light. It's like, okay, not only is it not necessarily harming people, it, it might have a medical benefit and might, but it's going to make us money. Let's do it. Right. I, I just, that one, I, that argument just kind of pains me inside. Cause it's like, people aren't doing it for the possible efficacy and the helping of people. It's just like the, Oh, you mean we can make some more money. We can, we can bring some more tax revenue in regardless of where that tax revenue goes. There's a lot of information out of Colorado, right, related to usage in schools. And one of the arguments, at least whenever you see a state that's pushing forward some sort of legalization, there's typically, there's always the opposition to that legalization. And some of it's like, oh, what about our children? What about our children? But if you look at the, at least some of the stats that have come out of Colorado, um, marijuana usage is down in schools. At least that's my understanding of it. Like I said, I need to, I need to have a board full of like statistics over here and stuff I've read so I can confirm it. You can't imagine how many young people, and I mean people under 30, they send us emails, text, and phone calls that say they're using CBD to get off weed. They like to smoke CBD as opposed to smoking weed now. Interesting. That's a interesting way it was worded, using CBD to get off weed. Yeah. Although, although it's important to note that Weed is not addictive. However, it is a, a kind of, it can be habitual, right? Where you create a habit of utilizing it, but it's not yeah. necessarily your, your body's not becoming dependent on it. Like some of these other drugs, you know, like say uh, an opiate, where if you stop taking it, your body starts to just battle you and, and feel terrible. Have you heard about how CBD helps people come off heroin? I've seen some things about it. I've, I've heard a bit about it, but I've also I've had a full hand, a couple handfuls of customers. We get a lot of emails, a lot of texts and a lot of phone calls. So far, we've noticed that heroin users like our product because it helps them get off the pain. 
when you're coming off your drugs, you're going to be in a lot of pain. CBD helps eliminate that. Really? I've talked to people that are in rehab, not experiencing the pain from their withdrawals that their counterparts are without the CBD. I, I have heard that. I've also heard um, marijuana, CBD, well, THC, right? Um, I've heard that helps with it as well. I can't say I know much about it or I, I haven't engaged with anybody that that's specifically happened to, but it, I mean, it makes sense if it's helping with pain, if CBD is a, it's definitely be a known, it's known as an, uh, just a very general anti-inflammatory with the body. So it can definitely help with pain in general. Um, I've heard about the, some of the other drugs. Like I know I've, I've heard about like ayahuasca and, and other, and there's something else, dang it, it's escaping me right now, but there's another drug that's specific. I think it's more of a some some certain level of psychedelic that's I know ayahuasca is psychedelic too, but some level of a psychedelic with a different name that's supposed to be super. Are you thinking of kratom? That. Not thinking of kratom, no, not kratom. Kratom, man, I, I've done a little bit of research on kratom. I don't really know too much about it, but from what I've seen, it seems like it's pretty interesting. <laughs> the natural drug, natural um, synthetic heroin, basically. Really, painkiller. The natural painkiller. Really, a lot of um, in a lot of cases, CBD in general would kind of fall into that kratom realm. I mean, can't tell I you think how it would often. Do a better job than kratom too. I I more mean like I mean more mean like when it comes to the like demonized a bit. I, oh, yeah. I well, I mean we get we get contacted all the time by kratom companies, companies that want to participate in can trade or or the hemp show that are kratom companies, and then. Uh, we get contacted a ton by international kratom like growers or providers, saying basically just trying to get involved in what we do. We don't, we haven't taken our steps into that space. I mean, we we likely won't. I mean, we're focused specifically on cannabis. Yeah, you don't need to go there, right? It, but it's interesting that those types of businesses kind of they they seem like they're on the same side of the the position as we are with CBD and hemp. So that's why they contact us. Like, okay, because we're in these regulated or highly regulated Band. industries and we're already dealing with all of the issues of getting shut down on Amazon and losing our merchant processing and, and all that stuff. They're like, Oh, you guys, you guys are just the same as us. You know, we, we should come on. You guys want to try some Kratom? <laughs> We've had five merchant processors, maybe six total in five years. Really? We've had, um, I mean, remember, we're not selling the actual product. So, but I think we've had at least three or four, yeah. not, not positive the total amount. And then there was the, there was that time, what this was about 2018, when everybody got shut down because oh, what they were was on Avalon. Was it Avalon? Yeah. 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 They, they, <laughs> uh, they had basically turned everybody off and then everybody was scrambling at one point trying to fill That's that. That's when gap. we had to open an office in the Netherlands. To create an offshore company to be able to process credit cards. Yeah. That was a weird one. It's brutal that it's almost like you're unintentionally having to do these shady things seem that seem shady. They're not, they're not necessarily, it's not like they're illegal. It's just they seem like you're doing shady things when it's completely unnecessary. When everybody in this space is trying to do legal business, you know, they're trying to do it right. They're not trying to hide things yet. You're almost forced into a corner where it's like, hey, I can't even accept money for my products, even though my products are legal via the 2018 Farm Bill. And 
yet I'm still having to jump through these hoops? Well, that's why all the smart companies have two labels. We started out with CBD The Remedy as our first label, and then we jumped over to Hemp Helps as our second label. The Amazon account was Hemp Helps. So we've built a whole nother company called Hemp Helps. If you don't have CBD in your logo, you're a, you're, you're a little, you're smarter. Let's just put it that way. Keep CBD out of your logos and all your wording and you'll be okay. CBD or canna. Yeah. Yeah. Canna. I mean, canna. Yeah. If you put, if you have the C-A-N-N-A anywhere or anything that sounds like it, you're put into that same realm, actually worse than hemp. Because I thought I heard all the bad words. I didn't know canna was one of them. Yeah, canna. I mean, with so we're can trade. We're not canna, C-A-N-N, with no A at the end, can trade. But we get we get that hit with that all the time. Wow. Yep. People, the moment they see can trade, they believe that we are a cannabis company. Yeah. We have no cannabis. Yeah, well, we don't have, we have no cannabis, but right. the businesses in our network have a lot of cannabis. <laughs> the O'Cannabis Conference and Expo returns to Toronto June 1st through the 3rd, and there are still good booth locations available. This exciting event is free for cannabis retailers and will feature Tommy Chung receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award at the O'Cannabis Industry Awards. For more information about exhibiting, or to register to attend, go to ocannabis.com. That's O-C-A-N-N-A-B-I-Z.com. So where, where do you think things go from here? I mean, we mentioned a few of the platforms, right, that you've seen some level of uh, business from and then ultimately got shutting down, shut down. Um, are there any ones, obviously, besides Cantray of the Hemp Show, that, that you see that could be promising for CBD The Remedy? No. Well, you cannot go to eBay. You cannot go to Facebook Marketplace. You cannot go to OfferUp. What app is going to take you? I've uh, I've been kicked off every one of them, including Etsy. I'm starting to get very like cynical when I look at any of those types of platforms because they have so much volume that yeah. of people on there that they're not able to keep up with that volume. And ultimately, what you end up with is you end up with a lot of fraud. In Facebook, when it comes to Facebook Marketplace, I've used it to sell stuff, I want to say maybe five times, and I've used it to buy stuff around five times. But out of those five times I've used it to purchase, some level of scam attempt or success for at least three of those times. Yeah, I 100% agree. People want a lot of weird scams like free shipping. No, I'm not going to ship my product for free just because you want to buy something. Right. Well, so that's at least someone buying it from you. If you, you know, you as the provider and you're not being, you're not the scammer and the person would actually pay for it and get the product. So they were just, they were just trying to argue for a better deal. And you just yeah. like, uh-uh. on, on my end, I've had businesses I've had, and I, I got scammed on wish as well. Really? Um, that's yeah. Chinese, well, what, isn't it? That's from China, isn't it? Wish. Yeah. That's Alibaba's retail site, isn't it? No, that's AliExpress. Oh, okay. No, AliExpress, I mean, I don't try to buy a lot from there, but there's a lot of things that are very like tiny knickknack. For me, it's usually tiny pieces of equipment. I like um, Alibaba. Yeah, and it, well, it's little tools and pieces of equipment. Like for the most part, I'm trying to buy everything from the US, but that type of stuff just isn't made in the US. Just like when you go on Amazon, I mean, the vast majority of Amazon's products are 
either drop ship from China or they're in a warehouse out a fulfillment warehouse out in the US that's just came straight from China. So yeah. people don't realize is when you're buying from Amazon, sure, Amazon's making money, but most of those products are coming straight from China. Um, Read the small print that says ships in two weeks. Yeah. Well, whenever it says ships in two weeks, it's from China. Yeah. When it's when it's like one day, two day Amazon Prime, it was likely made in China and it's just warehoused in yeah. the US. Um, no, but what I was getting at is on all those other platforms, the what would happen is I'd have someone, they'd either misrepresent the product and something completely different would show up or something that was destroyed. And then the last one was just people trying to get me to pay via means that weren't secure. So I, I had, um, what was it? I was, it, was a, it was a camera. We needed a camera for the hemp show, different type of camera. So I was looking to get a deal for it on Facebook Marketplace. And ultimately, the seller asked to be paid via Facebook pay, which I thought was secure. And my understanding after reading some fine print, it can be secure in certain cases. But then I read the fine print and it's like, this should only be between friends, you know, people that you know, there is no payment security on it. And the moment I said, hey, you know what, I'll just, I'll, I'll come pick up the product and, and pay you and pay you as is while I'm there. And they banned, they, they blocked me. So I didn't even have a chance to report them, couldn't find them or their listing. Um, but I've had that happen a handful of times. And, um, oh, sorry, it wasn't Wish earlier. Wish is different. Wish probably is AliExpress. It looks like it. You get way too many ads from Wish and they are all, <laughs> they're hilarious. It's like, buy this buy this uh, TV stand. It's $60, but it's discounted to $2 today. And you're like, what? <laughs> How does this make sense? No, it was Macari that I had right um experience scammers on and then they don't like cbd and macari either oh i'm sure they don't i mean all of these major ones are going to stop but i sent macari an email outlining where the scam was what happened to it so on and to this day the scammer is still on macari and i'm still and he's still paying for facebook or not facebook google ads whether it's wish paying from form or not but if you search this product type, it shows up on Google as one of the top products to purchase, and it's a scam. And Macari has done nothing about it. So that's why I say I get a little cynical about these <clears throat> about these platforms when they get so big because they're just loaded with scam. Oh, yeah. It's all about the money. It's not about delivering quality products. It's about how much profit. Right. It's about volume. How many, how many yeah. can they sell and how many of those are going to ultimately report or how they can, or that it's a scam. How often, how long can they get away with it? And then they just move on to something else. Yeah. Anyways. So I guess the takeaway here, all the platforms are, are BS at the moment, all those major ones. And there really needs to be a, a CBD friendly platform. And to be totally honest, it will be a shame if, if, and when Amazon turns that switch and turns CBD products on, because I hate to, make them more money or allow them to take over as the direct consumer place to purchase CBD goods, considering the back, the, the record that they have, you know, they're well, not in two friendly. Years, they're not we friendly should to be industry. live on Amazon and get a bank account. Let's you got to have a bank account in two years. You got to be able to believe that this product is legal. We can't keep looking. We can't be looked upon as marijuana people any longer. We have test results to show it. Right. So I know we're getting on, we're getting on a little over an hour now and we've got to wrap it up soon. 
what makes you optimistic for the future? I mean, besides, I know we've talked about a lot of just ridiculous parts of the industry and um, the nonsense with all these platforms that we have to deal with, but what gets you excited about the future? What's there to look forward to for, for yourself or for CBD, the remedy? Well, the conversation we've had today has been about quality and the people you had on your show the other day, the conversation was always about quality. I believe that quality will rise to the top and the, I call them garage store hippie companies. Those people that were making the products in their garage that don't have the quality, they'll have to go away. The consumers can't keep being sold garbage. So I think that's the way the industry is going to head is the prices will come down. The regulations will go up, hopefully, so that the customers get a quality product at a reasonable price. Price is coming down. That's We see that every day. Yeah. I mean, the prices for CBD distillate and isolate back in 2012 to 2015 was not necessarily astronomical, but I mean, anywhere from 5 to 10K. And then when cannabinoids, when you got... um sorry, five to 10 K a liter. But then when, when you got things like even, even two years ago, when it was the first liter of, uh, of what CBN or something, it was like, it was like, Hey, this is $18,000 a liter. And now all of that stuff is tanked. I mean, <coughs> price is coming down significantly. Interestingly though, and I've had this conversation with a few other people is the price of the retail products are not necessarily coming down to the same extent. You no, still... that's because you have a, a convenience store or a smoke shop owner that doesn't give a shit about quality and he just wants that profit. So he wants to buy those gummy bears for eight or nine dollars and retail them for 40, where he should be paying 16 or 18 dollars and selling them for 40. But he's a greedy fucker. Right. Well, I mean, there's still it's not just those retailers, it's also some of the brands. I mean, there's brands that are selling, there's tinctures that are in the that are direct consumer, so not not going from a, not going through a retailer with that markup, direct consumer in the hundred dollar range, hundred twenty dollar range. That have oh, you mean the multi level marketing guys? Oh, don't get me started there. Oh, hundred and twenty nine dollars for a bottle. <laughs> wow, here's my all right. I, we we went down the path. So to finish that to finish that thought, I just uh, want to tell those people what I actually pay for that bottle, and then oh. they'll. Flip the fuck out thinking they can charge 120 bucks. Well, here's here's the, exactly what you just mentioned happened. I mean, I've been approached just because we're in the space through multiple different platforms. Not a, I don't, I want to, I mean, might be over exaggerating 100 times, but at least 20, like 25 times. Yeah. By some multi level marketing CBD company, which has become a huge business, a very big business for, you know, being a distributor of their products. It never works because that's not how we work. It's not how CanTrade and, and the Hemp Show operate. But I've had conversations and I've also had people schedule phone calls with me to discuss that possibility. And, you know, I guess for the most part, those individuals, they're, they have a very broad level of the space. I mean, obviously, not a, I'm not an expert on anything related to CBD and hemp, but I, I have a decent understanding of most everything, including cannabinoids. So it's not like any of those individuals can talk around me when it comes to CBD products. So they can't even tie your shoes when it talks to a conversation. 
Right. So I'm, I'm trying to give them a little bit more credit because some of them have, some of them have had some level of knowledge of CBD and cannabis in general, but for the most part, they haven't. And I, I realized very early on, on these calls, and I want to be respectful to these people. However, I realized that what I, it's almost like that, that trigger goes off my head. I'm like, oh man, this is a multi-leveling CBD business. All right. How do I exit this phone call respectably as soon as I can? Yeah. And the first few times I got trapped on those calls, I wanted, I was more curious. I wanted to know like business as far as what, what they're getting the products for, what their commissions are and so on. So I'm, I'm asking a lot of questions. Eventually it just became the same thing the whole time. But I did have that exact conversation where someone was selling a, a tincture bottle for a hundred bucks or something yeah. like that. And we're in a face-to-face call just like you and I are right now. And I'm asking them. So what I did was I pulled up on the website, I pulled up the bottle and they had showed me the bottle and I was doing research as I'm speaking to them. They didn't necessarily know I was doing research. I get the, I see the ingredient label and I start reading the ingredients. I'm like, okay, this hundred dollar bottle has 500 milligrams of, of CBD in it. Do you know how much that costs? Do you know how much 500 milligrams of CBD costs? Do you know, do you know all, do you see all these, what are, see all these other five ingredients? <laughs> I mean, way less than five bucks these days, but well, I mean, the whole bottle is five. Oh yeah. The whole, whole yeah, yeah. So, cost. So in all, when I was talking to the person, I was like, I was like, this bottle you're selling right here for this business to make it, it's, it's definitely under $5. It was probably in the, the bottle, the bottle that it was in was likely one of the most expensive things of the entire product. Yeah, it is. It's probably about two bucks, maybe, you know, I don't give or take, they're doing it on such big volume that it's likely could be lower than that. Um, And and I was like, and, and what, and what's your commission? You know, how much do you make every time you sell? Oh, it's, it was 15% or something like, I like put my hands like, oh my goodness, this is crazy, crazy. And most, well, the sad part is a lot of these people, I mean, they were slightly knowledgeable, but they didn't really know much. One of the first questions I asked, I asked any one of these people was like, what's the difference between um, a marijuana plant and a hemp plant? And none of them, I mean, it's a bit of a trick question because it's the same plant. One molecule difference. Yeah. Well, it's, it's. It's moreover, it's just a, it's more of a legal differentiation between the amount of THC the plant has, right? So it's a bit of a trick question. And I mean, you would, the the answers that they would start with, it's just like, wow, okay. So, I mean, I know I hit you with the one that's a, can be a bit confusing. However, I think it's important that you know the difference considering you're in the space and you're trying to sell other people to sell these products crazy yeah oh Here, here's the only the only positive i'd say with it jim is there's um other multi-level marketing companies there's wine companies that do similar stuff the only positive i would say is at the very least they're selling a tangible product that and i don't i can't speak to the quality of those products let's, but let's just give go them, with its good quality yeah let's give them the benefit of the doubt let's say it's yeah. a very good quality product at the very least it's a tangible product it's maybe a quality product that that can have some benefit and it's likely helping to spread the word and progress the industry, not necessarily in the way we'd like it, but it's opening up other people and the person who's selling it is likely 
you know, trying to open up other people's eyes to CBD, even though they don't know much about it. And the business they're representing is a bit more of a parasitic business than it is actually trying to help the people that are in need, you know, that really need to have CBD. So there's some level of benefit. I'm just, I'm trying to be the devil's advocate here and not just completely, not completely jump on one side of the, of the coin there. <laughs> well, they're moving the market. We need the market. We need products sold in the market. Right. The more people know about it, the better. Well, that here's another thing to be said about that. And I've, I've talked about this one for a while. The, the CBD market, because of the restrictions in retail and the fact that all of these major online platforms, which sell insane amounts of product, not necessarily CBD, I'm just talking product in general, there's barriers there. So the retail market for CBD goods is not established. It is, it is still in its infancy, infancy and there's a long way that has to go. So there's almost a need to have some sort of like multi-level marketing because it creates another retail outlet for these types of goods. And it's, it's kind of, I feel like it's part of a symptom of the fact that, you know, you can't go down the street necessarily and get your products into any retail store. A lot of retail stores have restrictions on these types of products or they won't even touch them. So yeah, they won't touch them. Right. If, if that were, if that weren't the case, there would be less need for an MLM CBD company. I've talked to Nordstrom and Costco personally, and they shut the conversation down within the first minute. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, they don't want to, they don't want to waste their time. They don't right. want to waste your time. They've got a policy. They're not willing to touch those types of products until something changes, uh, federally and definitely with banking when it's, when it's no longer seen as people dealing drugs. Hey, let's circle around one last question I got for sure. you. We were talking about dosage earlier. Last year I hired a doctor to do a dosage study and it's ongoing. So we're, we're learning as much as we can. How does the industry mature to become like the doctors where we actually have a prescription that people understand as a standard that's, you're going to get relief from this much. I'm tired of people going to the smoke shop and buying a shitty product, going home with no guidance, taking a little bit under the tongue. And it's not working for them. So they throw it away until their friend CBD doesn't work. How do right. we get to the point where we educate the customers on how much to take? So that's a really tough question because there's so many variables. Obviously you've heard of the entourage effect and yeah. the it's likely can't say that it's, I, I don't know of a study specifically that says it is 100% true, but it's likely that the cannabinoids and the terpenoids and the flavonoids and all the different compounds that you have within say an extract, a full spectrum or a broad spectrum extract, it's likely that they work together. It's likely that in some ways they will benefit from having little amounts or bigger amounts of the other cannabinoids within them. So it's when you look at it like that, the possibilities as far as the efficacy of what it can help or how someone feels about it, including the genetics of the person and you know how they're going to take to it. I'm sure everybody knows somebody that can take an insane amount of edibles. I mean, I'm a lightweight when it comes to edibles. It's like they don't work on me. So they don't work on you, but they're 10 X on me. If I have a, if I have a five or 10 milligram edible, I feel that bad boy for two hours. Like I've eaten 40 milligrams of gummies and got nothing, nothing of THC gummies. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, 40 milligrams isn't a huge dosage. I've, I've had a very terrible time, a horrendously bad time. I mean, it, it had to have been an entire day uh, when, I, when I had 500 milligrams accidentally. It was bad. I mean, I, I had to play Did in a- five bags of gummies? No, not five bags of gummies. It was a, there was a, I'll just give you the story real quick. Um, there was a, it's called a FUBAR, it, it, the brand. This was back before um, California regulated market. It was still under uh, the Prop 215 and the collective days. And someone from a shop had given me this bar and the bar was supposed to be a thousand milligrams. I already know the bars. Okay. It's supposed to be a thousand milligrams. Doesn't mean it is a thousand. It could have been 500. It could have been 10,000, right? Especially back then with the, the terrible testing. I was going to sleep. This was like right before bed. It's about nine 30, 10 o'clock. And I'm like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, Oh, I'll just have a bite of this bar. The bar looked amazing. It was like a, like a cookie crunch, brownie with frosting like it was amazing looking took one bite of it and i went to bed i woke up the next day and i have to play in this beach football tournament i woke up the next day and i am like gumby i felt <laughs> like i felt like i was a giant like piece of taffy wow. my my body was wiggly i couldn't my motor skills were messed up and my mind was I don't even, I I don't even know how to explain it, but I went to this beach football tournament. I was dead silent the whole time. And, you know, as a former professional football player, that's not usually how I play. Plus, plus I typically am the one running the defense. Like, Hey, you go here, you go here. Here's what we're doing. And the team was like, what's wrong with Mark? Like, and I, I got my, I got my cap on low. I got my sunglasses on and I'm, I don't know if I spoke a word the whole day, but surprisingly, I crushed it. I had like five or six touchdowns. I, I just destroyed that day, caught everything, but I, I felt weird. It was as if I was hyper-focused because I knew that there was some level of um, intoxication of from that. Yeah, it's like yeah. I was like, got to try your hardest, and like my eyes are just focused the whole time. Yeah, but that that – lasted an entire day. I mean, I want to say I went to sleep eight hours of sleep, roughly then the entire day of like 12 to 16 hours after that. And it wasn't until I went to sleep the next day and woke up. And then I was just groggy. I was out of it for like two days. It was just way too much for me. Sorry, but this, this gets back to the question. When will it get to a point where like a dosage is a dosage and people know what to expect? Yeah. And that's why I was starting off with it's not like alcohol, right? Alcohol, very easily to measure how much ethanol or whatever is in a specific spirit. Most people know, you know, how much it's going to take to get a buzz or intox or, you know, start to get intoxicated. And legally, it's super easy to determine, you know, there's specific numbers on the books because your blood alcohol level, it's pretty easy to determine someone's level of impairment based on that blood alcohol level, but with cannabinoids, it's completely different, right? You have someone that has high tolerances versus low, someone who isn't affected by edibles yet is, or someone who is, then you have this entourage effect. And it's like, if you have the product, what is in that product? Are you, do you have terpenoids in it? Do you have cannabinoids? So when you get down to something like just straight distilling it and saying, this 
has only CBD and nothing else in it, there's potential there, but there's an argument to be made that that's not the most, that's not the most ethical product as far as like, that's not going to have the best effect on, on the patient or on the people. If it's only has CBD in it, because if it only has that one amount, you could probably measure, you know, how much that's affecting somebody, but it's not going to be doing as good of a job likely. So you mean the full spectrum is a better product. It's likely. Yeah. It's likely absolutely. the full spectrum. I agree. Right. Right. So, so that's what I'm saying is it, but with the full spectrum, you end up with all the variables, all the good what, things. Yeah. All the variables of what is in that full spectrum. So if you're matching full spectrum to full spectrum and the, the makeup, the chemical makeup of those full spectrums is identical, then it's likely you can measure how much it's affecting here, how much is here. If you want to, if you want to do this, it should be this amount of dosage. However, when you're talking about product to product, every product is going to have a different full spectrum or a different broad spectrum or a different isolate or distillate. So it's a much more complex question than, than like saying, Hey, I put, I put 300 milligrams in caffeine of caffeine in this, in this drink. It's pretty easy to measure what 300 milligrams of caffeine is going to do to somebody, but not as easy to measure how much 300 milligrams of broad spectrum CBD is going to do to somebody. I agree. Maybe I'm just wishful thinking. You said in the next couple of years, what do I see? I would like to see credibility in our industry that says, take a dropper or half a dropper of this and you'll get results. Right. And, and it's likely that's going to happen. It's just the variabilities of that. It's going to be very hard to dial in. What's going to happen, I think, is it's going to come down to, I think it's going to come down to brand and brand loyalty and brand trust. Because if you have a brand and that brand has the same formulation throughout all of the product that all that, all of that specific product that you always have and you trust it, then you know what you're getting every time and it can be measured based on that specific brand. But when you switch brands and that formulation changes ever so slightly, and you know, let's say there's a bit of CBN and CBG combined with the THC that you're having, or sorry, not THC, the CBD that you're having, now that can be a completely different experience. Well, it'll um, work better too. Yeah, could could be. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that's that's what I'm just saying. It's like I'm with you there. It's just gonna be very hard to rein in the the different variabilities because they're so much more vast than just a standard additive like a caffeine or or something else that would go into a coffee. Like if you put CBD in a coffee and it's just straight only CBD, easier to measure. But if it is CBD and it is terpenes and it is um, CBN or THCV or whatever it may be, one of those uh, kind of lesser cannabinoids, then it's going to be so much harder to measure what that outcome would look like. So maybe we don't get a universal dosage. The other thing to say about that is... um, I know a lot of these testing companies have been working on that for quite a while. As far as the testing companies, they're, so the labs, when they do their THC CBD testing, and then they also do the terpene testing, and then they're very, they're trying to attempt to be able to predict the effect that you would have if you smoke the product, if you smoke the flower, like would it get you couch locked? Would you be happy and energetic based on, mostly based on the 
terpene content because right. yeah because it's believed that a lot of the terpene content is what provides is what in combination with thc or cbd is what causes those things like like couch lock like getting energetic like getting the munchies and stuff stuff along those lines i hear you i agree i <laughs> i was dreaming for a minute hey it will happen it will it will definitely happen it's just a matter of uh like i said i think it's going to be more related to each individual brand each brand is going to be able to break down their products and and come up with more of a a formula based as far as here's what you should have for a dosage and here's how it's likely to affect you but it's going to be very hard to do that across brands and across the whole industry well i've seen it with my company because i've had customers that like a man 285 pounds or a woman 120 pounds they don't need the same amount right i i, I was shocked to find out how much one client that weighed 285 pounds needs he said he wanted 50 milligrams every morning not the 25 milligrams that I take. He wanted 50. That's an interesting thing that you brought up as far as the weight and the size because yeah. I, it makes sense from what we know from everything else. If you need something, it's you're trying to affect a larger human being. That larger human yeah. being is just a bigger body. So the amount you ingest is going to be smaller in relation to that body size. However, I don't feel like I, that's the case as far as and I don't know this, I don't know this at all to be true, but it just, it kind of sparked something in my mind. Like I've met very tiny ladies. I mean, 120, 130 pounds that would just freaking do circles around me. And, and then I've met- or drinking alcohol? No, so no weed, weed. Okay. I'm talking about like, like <laughs> they would just do circles around me. It's not necessarily like they were smokers, like ultra heavy smokers. <clears throat> Some of them were, but some of them weren't. But then I've met, I've seen the opposite. The, I mean, 280 pound monster of a man who is a complete lightweight. I guess I don't know. I don't know anything about that. It, it's, it sounds like it makes sense though. It should, if everything else is the same and you take someone who has never experienced cannabinoids and another person who's never experienced them. So there's no level of tolerance built up and you have one who's, you know, let's say a, a 280 pound monster of a, a person. And then you have a, a tiny 120 pound person. It's likely that it's going to affect that 120 pound person more, but I have seen the opposite for sure. Right. Yeah. We got to keep studying. Right. Yeah. The only problem is studies cost a lot of money and it's typically a lot of the companies that do it for a purpose. Well, isn't the purpose to sell products and learn the product? In, in, I mean, in case, in certain cases, I mean, what is it? Epidiolex is a study that, you know, that's been approved by the FDA and that's to fight um, epilepsy, but yeah. it's, it's ultimately synthetic CBD. Is it not? I'm pretty sure it is. So, and it's what I meant though, is it's to sell product, but typically a lot of these studies, they're done by the companies that can afford the studies. So. Yeah, I really a, am a small company, but I hired the doctor last year because I wanted to know. Right. I said we have to know how much to take. Right, but here's but here's my question though, uh, Jim is is that study that you did? That's more of a that's more of a like an anecdotal study yes. for your company. It's not it's not a peer reviewed. It's not a clinical trial. You know, so so you're going to get some information out of it that you can you can share, but you can but my understanding is you won't be able to share it with like a with I actual can't medical it, claims. No. no. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's that's what I mean is if you're doing And my like, doctor beat me over the head for a week on that and I said do it anyway. So that's what that's what makes it tough though because it's costs a lot of money to do clinical trials and it's those clinical trials that are truly going to get you to get the industry to understand the true efficacy of a certain cannabinoid or product, but those cost a lot of money. We're trying. All right, well, we got to figure out how to get it done better. Um, but I mean, I think that's a good spot to go ahead and wrap up today. What I'll do is definitely in, I'll include everything related to the show notes as far as how to how to get in touch with you and how to check out the CBD CBD the remedy products. And although you can't make claims on it, you should publish that study. You can publish it or your the the study you did with the doctors. Where do I publish it? You just publish it on CBD the remedy or send it to send it to some some CBD or hemp cannabis media outlets that may or may not want to run it but you know it's it's just not a clinical trial it's clearly going to be written like this is not a clinical trial this is a this is a study that, evidence yeah 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 that's that's enough i mean that type of that type of information um, for certain companies gets out there all the time so it would be interesting and it'd be good for your your uh, potential clients to know one of the minor things we learned is the shelf life is three and a half to four hours in your body. CBD does not last all day in your body. You need to redose every four hours. And how did you how did you determine that? Is there, were there test were were you testing the the levels of cannabinoids in the blood? I wasn't or? the one doing it. The doctor oh. was doing it. That's what she's come up with. Oh, okay. So I don't I'm have just... the answer to that. I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah, that's going to be one of those things when you do publish the study because it's going to be you know, what's the parameters of the study? How is it performed? And, and for something like that, if it's lasting, you said five to six hours, three and a half to four. Okay. So if it's lasting three and a half to four hours, I guess I would just be curious to how that was determined. My guess is some sort of mouth swab or taking the blood. Blood seems a little invasive. So it's probably something related to like a swab, but that, that, that would be just interesting information that I would just be very curious to, to learn. We're always learning. That's been our middle name is education and learning for, for since we got into this business. Nice. Yeah. There's a long way to go where we've only had, um, I mean, it's been since the two thousands that we've actually known there was even a CBD receptors. So we have 23 so, of them in your body. Yeah. And, and we knew nothing about those. We knew nothing about how THC affected the brain. We knew nothing about how CBD acts within the body. And we still know very little. We still have a long way to go. We did learn that the mouth ingests better than the stomach. So if you're going to eat a gummy or use your drops, make the gummy dissolve in your mouth, not your stomach. Keep the drops in your mouth twice as long. Keep your drops in your mouth two minutes. You'll ingest way more. Let okay. the gummy bear dissolve in your mouth. You'll ingest more. Question for you on that. And I don't know the answer to this, um, although I think I've heard about it. So... When you have THC and you ingest it, it becomes 11-hydroxy-THC when it's metabolized and it's actually a different drug and how it affects your body. I'm, I think the same thing happens to CBD as well, right? Doesn't it become a different version of CBD? Yeah, but we're looking at it as the same thing. Right, but, it, the, way, but the way it reacts in the body is actually right. is like a different, it's a different molecule. So my, I guess my question would be is if you're taking CBD drops and you're holding them under your tongue and your um the the delivery system you know is is happening that way and you don't then swallow it or well, you're gonna swallow it i'm just saying keep it in your mouth for two minutes rather than 30 seconds 
So I guess my question though, is if it's, if it's going in through, what is it? The mucous membranes or something. And if it's going in through the mucous membranes in your mouth, it's not being metabolized and converted to that different molecule. So you're likely, right? Well, you're using your mouth and your stomach two minutes in your mouth and the rest of it does swallow and go down into your stomach. So you're using both ingestion systems. Right. But when it's, but when it's going into your stomach, it's getting metabolized when it's going into your mucous membrane, isn't it going straight into the, into the bloodstream? Yeah. Just like smoking it. Right. So then in that case, you would be getting two different variations of the CBD molecule within your bloodstream. I don't know this. This is just questions. I'm, I'm wondering. It works better when you use more than one receptor. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, I had on, um, Dr. Babone who, who's been studying this type of stuff. I'll have to give him a call and, uh, ask him that question because yeah it's not Uh, something we covered i want to hear his answer yeah i always want to learn well we're going to be publishing his deep dive pretty soon here and it's very interesting because he talks quite a bit about the different studies that he's participated in um he participated in the the cbd kills cancer in mice study i don't know if you saw those headlines i want to say this was like three or four years ago where CBD has been shown to kill cancer in mice in labs, you know, to be able to make that claim is awesome. And then he was talking also about an Alzheimer's study. So studying the psychoactive benefits or, or the neurological protection that, or advancement that CBD can provide in the brain. So there, that one was, uh, I believe currently or just recently published, but yeah, just really interesting stuff. So I'll have to give him a call and ask him about that. I want to hear the answers for sure. I appreciate your time today. Pardon yeah. me if I do ask you questions, but I always want to learn. No, it's it, no, totally. And, and I preface all this stuff with the only reason I know anything about any of this stuff. And if I've, if I've mischaracterized, I completely apologize or misquoted my bad. It's because I talk to smart people. So I'm just trying to learn. Way. Yeah. I'm trying to learn from everybody I talk to because no matter what it is or what the topic is, there's going to be something that you know vastly more about than I do. I never want to be the smartest person in the room. I just want to keep learning. Nice. Well, the person that keeps learning is the person that starts to develop those, those tools and that knowledge for everything they're going to encounter. So it's a, it's a very good trait. But this was excellent. Thank you so much, Jim, for, for being on the deep dive. And uh, you know, I hope the best for CBD The Remedy. And we will talk again soon. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. 
We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.